Welcome to Between Lewis and Lovecraft. I'm Hannah. And I'm Tyler. We're here to learn more about the lives of authors that have inspired us. A journey into the stories they not only created, but also lived. So join us as we dive deep into the worlds that live just out of reach. Like the mood music. Yeah. No, no, no. We need the sexy time music. The like, okay, boys and girls, gather around. I didn't realize you were going, that music you did was not sexy time (laughs) music. That was like happy time music. That was, if you want, say it's. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just do that. Welcome, boys and girls, to Hannah's show, where we're gonna get it on by talking about books and things. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. <laughs> you started really strong. Yeah, kind of like I Fifty lost Shades it of Grey. Real fast. <laughs> All right. Well, we're just gonna do the thing. So this is the episode that I am forcing Tyler to do. He wants no part of. Uh, we're gonna talk about sex for this one. Yeah, yeah, Tyler doesn't even want to have to, like, see me as we're talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we are talking about uh, kind of a lot of different literary things. This is a two-author episode. Mm. Uh, we are diving into the erotica genre, yeah. which is different than romance. Because when Hannah said, hey, Tyler, we're going to do two ladies at once, I was like, hell yeah. And then she said... <laughs> We're going to do Fifty Shades of Grey. And I was like, no. So otherwise, two ladies at once is fine with you. <laughs> just just no handcuffs. Yeah. As, 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 if it wasn't, you know, you know, for marriage and uh, generally respecting women, it'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> two kind of big obstacles, but whatever. <laughs> so the two authors that we are talking about are E.L. James, who is the author of the mega hit franchise Fifty Shades of Grey. If you haven't heard of this, I can only assume you've been living under a rock for like the last 10 years. Uh, And then the other author is Anna Todd, who was uh, not a name that I recognized until my younger sister was like, Hannah, have you read the book After by Anna Todd? And I was like, what? This looks terrible. I will read it. I must read it. Yes. I must read it. So both of these authors, um, they write erotica fiction. Uh, which basically means it's porn with words, which is different than word porn. Um, What's the difference between this and word porn? Just like general curiosity. Word porn is like what people say when, you know, words look pretty and like you did pretty things with words. It's like, like food porn is not porn involving food. It's cool pictures of food. So, okay, wait. This is not word porn. This is porn I, I written. I understand how food porn works. Um, I don't. How do you? What is an example of word porn? Like a really well written alliterative sentence would be word porn for me. Okay. okay. Like if you manage to start every sentence in your word in your or every word in your sentence with the same letter and have it still sound musical, I'd be like, whoa, that. That really did something for me on a literary level. Yeah. It's a it's like a wordgasm. 
for you. Yes, a word chasm. <laughs> <laughs> this is not this. Or th- these books we're not, are not we're that. We're not going to have word gasms. <laughs> I had zero word gasms while reading you these heard books. You're pretty earful. Hannah had zero word gasms while reading None at Fifty all. Shades of Grey. <laughs> I did read I uh, this. both. This is a great start. I love it. <laughs> I read Fifty Shades of Grey, just the first one, and after just the first one because uh-huh. these are ridiculously long series, ridiculously long books for being just about sex. Like you don't need a 500 plus page book about sex. Unless you're really good at sex. They are not good at writing about okay. sex. I feel like, but okay. whatever. So, um, yeah, I guess just getting into it, we're going to dive into, uh, the life of EL James a little bit. Yeah. Just, uh, and just then- for the, just for the audience. Uh, I say this to Hannah almost every single time we start a show. I say it's gonna be all on you, kid. I'm I'm just here for the goofs, and uh, almost every single time I'm lying. I've done at least a little bit of research. I cannot stress the amount of not doing research that I did for this episode. <laughs> like actively, I even I even thought like today I'm coming into the studio early. I'll, maybe I'll go watch a quick YouTube video on just what the fuck. Fifty Shades of Grey really is who E.L. James is like just have an idea of who this person is and then I was like no I I genuinely don't want to know more before Hannah tells me um so I I I really I'm just here for the goofs kid that's what I'm here for Watches Tyler proceeds to like monologue for 10 minutes, not even at the end, in the middle, probably. Just got to get ready. Just got to ah, warm up the voice, you know. <laughs> yeah, some some vocal warm ups. Okay. Yeah. So starting with E.L. James and Fifty Shades of Grey. Erica Mitchell, better known by her pen name Snow Queen's Ice Dragon and oh E.L. James. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, it begins already. <laughs> She was born on March 7th, 1963 in Middlesex, England. Insert dirty joke about Middlesex here. Yeah. Her mom was... Oh, gross. (laughs) Food porn. Her mom... (laughs) Sorry, continue. Tyler can't help himself. Her mother was from Chile. Uh, and worked as a sales representative, and her dad was from Scotland and worked as a cameraman for the BBC. Holy um, yeah. So it seems like she had a pretty like normal middle class upbringing in Middlesex, England, and attended Piper's Corner School and Wycombe High School. She studied history at the University of Kent, and then after she graduated, she spent several decades in television as a production executive at the BBC and other companies. So following in her dad's uh, newsy TV footsteps. Yeah, basically One at this her... point, she's she's the same as uh, Douglas Adams. So Exactly. They, she could have had the exact same career trajectory. <laughs> but she got possibly more famous. No. How does that make you feel? No. I don't like that. If you, if you go out... And do a random survey of 100 people, Tyler, and you say Douglas Adams and Fifty Shades of Grey, people oh, are going to no, know Fifty no, Shades of Grey on, more. come on. That's not fair. It's It would be Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy versus... Okay, versus even that, Fifty, Fifty Shades of Grey, is going to be more well-known. Mm, that makes me very angry. I don't I, think, But it's true, I, I isn't really it? I don't think that's true. I, 
I think it's I I think the numbers speak for themselves and the fact that like most Americans can't even numbers are hypothetical. Your numbers are hypothetical right now. <laughs> oh, they're going to get literal. Oh, no. um, um, one of her jobs was at the National Film and Television School where she met Niall Leonard, a screenwriter and novelist. They married in 1987, and they have two sons who are now in their 20s. I have no idea when they were born. Um, and the family currently lives in London. So here's where fan fiction comes in. E.L. James had always been a fan of romance novels and erotica. She would read them on the tube, which is the British word for subway, commuting into London. Uh, but she felt self-conscious about all the sexy covers with, like, shirtless dudes and stuff. So she would tear them off, which, like really offends my soul as a book person. Even um, for but, erotica? Like cheap yeah, erotica I, books? Well, okay. I just wouldn't read them in public or I'd put like a paper bag over it or something. Okay. But that's right. that's blasphemy. You can't tear books up. Um, And she promised that if she ever wrote books like that, that she would have tasteful covers where you don't know what's inside. So yeah. just keep that in mind if you ever stumble upon a copy of Fifty Shades of Grey. I have stumbled across several copies of this book, um, and it just looks like whatever, blah. But I guess it doesn't necessarily look like a sex book, like, from a no, distance. It, it definitely so. does not. It looks like somebody went, hey, you know those Twilight covers? Let's do something like that. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence That's that crazy. you brought up Twilight. I know, it's so weird, right? Because the infamous Fifty Shades trilogy started as Twilight fan fiction, which, Ooh. like, I'm sure nobody knows or has heard about this series. What? We're, we I are wanted, breaking I, news. If I can, I'm going to try and edit in that gif of that one guy who's like, <laughs> for like a full minute. Because that's, that's crazy. What? No. I know, right? In 2008... Uh, James saw the first movie, I'm assuming. Uh, so her husband bought her all of the books for Christmas and she became obsessed. She claims that she read them all in five days, which, yes, I will say that's obsession if she did. Um, yeah. Inspired by this amazing literature, she sat down to write a book for the first time in her life. She is worse than Kazuo Ishiguro or um, Lorna McDougall's Lorna husband. Lorna McDougall's husband. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and she was writing it basically as a sequel to the Twilight books, um, which blows my mind since I've read it and it bears very little resemblance, but okay. Uh, it was originally called Master of the Universe and featured a college-aged Bella Swan being coerced into interviewing billionaire businessman Edward Cullen. So basically the exact same plot as Fifty Shades of Grey as you can purchase it now but with how, Stephanie Meyer's character names. How is it how is this a uh, a sequel if they don't know each other and she's interviewing him? I, I literally cannot tell you. Like uh, I think the books have been taken offline now but like you can see, still see snippets somewhere of like the original version. And also and, Master of the Universe that's He-Man. So um, she's stealing from two different properties at this point. <laughs> you should um, 
find some lawyers to sue gonna, on other I'm people's gonna, behalf. On He-Man's behalf, I'm going to be like, hey, guys, E.L. James, she's coming for the Masters of the Universe. Get- <laughs> well, luckily, that was not the uh, final title. And I'm not really sure how plagiarism works on fanfiction.net, but I Is don't. that the website, fanfiction.net? Is that a real website? Yes. And actually, this was like kind of the shit back when I was in high school. Like, I feel like a lot of people that I knew were writing fan fiction for various like stories on there. Like there's fan fiction for literally anything you can imagine. I mean, Harry Potter is a really popular one. Obviously Twilight was huge. Lord of the Rings. I can't even think of all the other ones, but yeah. So fanfiction.net was very much a thing in the early 2000s. All right. I'm on fanfiction.net. I haven't been on it in probably 10 years at least. It so. looks like the equivalent of like Craigslist for, for writing. Oh, this is actually, yeah. I just looked it up too. This is not that different than I remember it looking. So uh-huh. it's very basic. Anyway, so that's where E.L. James, uh, under her pseudonym, uh, what, what oh did I say? God, Snow Queen's Ice Dragon. Jet Jackson. Hannah, they got famous Jet Jackson. Everyone stop. They got famous motherfucking Jet Jackson over here. I don't know who that is. How do you not know what famous Jet Jackson is? Is that a cartoon? No, it was a live action show on like the Disney Channel probably. And it was dope as shit. The guy, it, sh- there's one called Shades of Grey. So there's fifty. Sh- there's Twilight fanfic, fanfic. Yeah, I don't own. That's the amazing. Characters they belong to Disney. Uh, yeah. Here we go. Uh, you can keep reading your your thing. I, I I got this now. I'm good. Oh my god! If you keep interrupting with random fan fictions that you find, <laughs> I'm gonna have to cut your mic somehow. <laughs> I won't interrupt unless it's a very big deal. Where's, hold up, where's the Between Lewis and Lovecraft fanfic? Oh my gosh. Devani, Gage. Gage? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a patron today and you are allowed to write fanfic. Wait, <laughs> wait. Podcast. No. I take it back. You don't want fanfic written about between Lewis and Lovecraft because it's almost always weird and sexual. Obviously. And, you know, obviously there's a line that we can't cross there. Uh, but, like, I don't know. But there's We've had some weird uh, stories happen on our show that they can fanfic off the stories. Okay, yes. You guys are allowed to fanfic about other people's stories. That is what I don't we'll want- allow. I don't want to show up in a fan fiction. Well, unless it's like, unless if I show up, I want to be classy. All right. I want, (laughs) I want to be the guy that's like changing out the water, the water cooler while other people are getting it on. That's. That was a really confusing image in my head. It's a, it's a friend's (laughs) reference because Joey's in a porn and he, that's the part. Oh, okay. You should write some friends fan fiction while you're at it. Oh, I'm sure there's friends. I'm sure there's friends fan fiction. What, I, what we're talking about, Hannah, is Lewis and Lovecraft fan fiction. Brianna, I know you're listening, and I know you can write. Devani, Gage, this is on you guys. I want to be on fanfic.net. Okay. Uh, wait, what's the thing that I say every time Tyler's done interrupting? Anyway. Anyway. 
So, E.L. James originally posted uh, her story on fanfiction.net, but removed it after there were complaints about the racy nature of the material, her agent told the LA Times in 2012. So, Fifty Shades of Grey was too, like, sexy, even for fanfiction.net. But yeah, so, like I said earlier, I found portions of it online, and it includes basically all of the same scenes that wound up in the finished novel, just written even more awkwardly, which I did not realize was possible. Um, Someone even ran it through the plagiarism checker, turn it in, and found Master of the Universe was 89% similar to Fifty Shades of Grey. Really? 89% similar. Good Lord. So her editors did nothing. (laughs) Um, Could you please just change the names? That's that's all we need. We just don't want to get sued. Yeah. Um, But before she was even thinking about you know, actual publication, she rewrote it as an original story, changing the names of Bella and Edward to Anastasia Steele and Christian Grey. It might be Anastasia, but every time I read him saying her name, I was like, he's saying it Anastasia, isn't he? <laughs> like, that's just how I hear Christian Grey saying it. Isn't, um, isn't that closer to just anesthesia? Like, to put you to Ooh, sleep? like, there's no uh, anesthesia in the first book. Oh. I cannot speak to the latter books. <laughs> she uh, created the website 50shades.com where she could post it as a serial. So that's something we talk about a lot with our authors is, you know, posting long books as short installments. Uh-huh. She did it too. She's basically a classic uh, literature person. <laughs> Stop comparing her to good writers. I know I did it once, but never again. <laughs> Never. Um, She then turned it into a novel and self-published it through a no longer in existence writer's community called The Writer's Coffee Shop in May of 2011. Is it no longer in existence because she destroyed it? Oh, we're going to get to why it's no longer in existence. Ooh, drama. (laughs) Drama. (laughs) One year later, she had sold about 30,000 ebook downloads, which is like really good. You said one year? One year later? One year. 30,000 ebook downloads. That's a good income. That's like at least 40 grand in one year. Yeah, I'm not sure how much she was charging for it, but like for self publishing, that's amazing. Uh, And literary agents were also like, that's amazing. So they started reaching out to her. um, And in March of 2012, so less than one year after she put it up as an ebook, she signed a seven figure contract. So at least $1 million with Random House's vintage books for a trilogy. Because she sold 30,000 ebooks? Yes. So what you're saying is sell 30,000 and you'll make a million. Yeah. I'm, I mean, now is the time. Strike while the iron is hot, guys. Yeah. Um, I'm just that going to log that into uh, for later. Your brain? Yeah, for later's <laughs> conversation. Uh, it was a good call on Random House's part because Fifty Shades sold 10 million copies in six weeks and 70 million by the end of the year. 70 million. Books were selling so fast that the printers in the British division ran out of silver ink this- for the black and metallic gray covers. Nice. Is this though? Is this all physical copies, or is this eBooks as well? Yeah. Well, I don't. It might include eBooks, but like they were running out of printer or of of ink and paper. All right. Yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's pretty dope. The question is, why the fuck? 
why? <laughs> uh, we can speculate madly about why the fuck in just a few minutes. <laughs> you keep making me, letting, not letting me talk about things, Hannah. You said you weren't going to talk. I know. I'm going to just... Universal Pictures. I'm going back to reading my IT crowd fan fiction. Oh, my God. Universal Pictures bought the film rights for a reported $5 million, and the rest is history. Uh, One fun fact that I found, her husband wrote the screenplay for the second and third movies, and he was, like, a legit screenwriter. So I'm just, like, I want to look inside of his head and see if he, like... If he realizes that this is shit. I mean, at some point, (sighs) at some point, you got to know, right? And like, there's shit jobs out there that you just do because it makes you money. And I feel like this is a combination of that where it's like, we know this isn't good, but people are eating it up. So we're going to invest in it. And also it's his wife. So like supportive husband. But yeah. that's almost worse because, like, I don't know how I would feel if I was a legit screenwriter and then my wife comes along and writes this terrible, terrible book that I know is bad literature and she gets all the money and accolades. Yeah. Sorry, I was fixing my microphone because I think I've been talking into the back of it this whole time. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm sure people heard you anyway. Yeah, they'll be fine. Hey, that's a little bit better. So now... um. I'll I'll tell you what happened to the writer's coffee shop. Let's hear that about caused it. it to be no longer in existence. Let's, let's hear the tea on the writer's coffee shop. So the writer's coffee shop um, started around 2010. It was formed by a woman named Amanda Hayward from Australia and Jennifer Pedroza from Texas, who met in the Twilight fanfic forums. Come on, <laughs> Myers, changing the world. Hayward. Groups. Yeah, right. There were so many positive things to come out of the Twilight fanfic forums, like all those, like you know, super fans who got to organize the prom and stuff. This just turned into like a shit show because Hayward, the Australian, she struck up a friendship with James, so the author of Fifty Shades, and approached her about publishing the story through Writer's Coffee Shop. <clears throat> by 2013, the business had published at least 60 books by authors around the world, but Fifty Shades was obviously the biggest moneymaker. In 2012, Hayward, kind of like behind the backs of everyone else who worked there, signed a multi-million dollar contract with Random House to sell them the publishing rights for the books. And um, she got a percentage of future ebook royalties out of that. So she makes this deal, like doesn't really tell her business partner about it. And then she also starts trying to restructure the company to get better tax treatment in Australia. Her business partner, so Jennifer, who paid $14,000 of the publishing company's debt out of her own pocket, didn't know how much the Random House deal was for. And the next year, Hayward fired her and another employee as part of alleged downsizing. So basically she cheated her out of millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, holy shit. This is nuts. And then in 2014, a lawyer heard about the scandal. His uh, spidey senses were tingling, and he agreed to represent Jennifer Pedroza in suing Hayward. A judge initially awarded her $13.2 million, um, but Hayward appealed, and they eventually reached an undisclosed settlement. So that is the... $5 million. That's probably what it was. You think it was? They were just like, oh, we'll give you almost half. Yeah. 
Because that, I mean, it cuts it cuts it in half or more than in half. And five million dollars—that's like that's the number to hit. If you're gonna if you're gonna make a very large sum of money very quickly, five million is the number. What's that? Yeah, you just you can live off of that for the rest of your life with no problems. At once you well, reach, once you reach that, you can retire. You're done. It doesn't matter what like at what age you're done. Do you have to pay taxes on lawsuit money? <clears throat> No, because then that becomes like two and a half million, and then after you pay the lawyer one and a half million, that's like one million. What? Okay, fine. Ruin my numbers, Hannah. <laughs> they were made I up numbers. I was trying to find one moment of happiness here in a well, in a, a podcast <laughs> about stupid books that I don't care about, and you got me excited about millions of dollars. No. Let's not have fun with those numbers. Really, it's the the shittiness of it all that, um, you know, made me angry and then happy when that Australian lady got sued. But she probably still has a lot of money, so that makes me sad again. Uh, just just so you're aware, um, it's okay because um, there is a Law and Order SVU section <laughs> oh, God. on fanfic.net. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, there's a Law & Order SVU episode about how uh, Amanda Hayward got murdered in revenge for this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I did not see that on Google. No, no. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a fanfic about it, though. I could see that. <laughs> oh, god damn. There's a, there's fan fiction for, for Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, which is a book series written by... Oh wait, I know oh god, I've I've heard the name Dirk Gently. Shit, who what is this? Douglas Adams. Oh yeah. Wait. There's Douglas Adams fan fiction. There's Douglas Adams fan fiction, yeah. That's excellent. Okay. Now I'm gonna need you to uh get off of fanfiction.net. Oh, but there's so many good things. The, no, you gotta stop. You're like fifteen years late to fanfiction.net. <laughs> Guys, I'm giving up. I'm just going to start writing fan fiction. Uh, eight simple I think rules. There's eight simple rules on here. Tyler, on. if there's one message that you can take away from this episode, it's that fan fiction pays. Does it? Oh, right. Because $30 million. Sure. Yeah. Let's. Because. Just... Yeah. All right. Well, I closed it. I closed it. I did. I did yeah. the hard thing. I closed it, the page on fanfic. I'm not going to enjoy this episode at all. Thanks a lot. Yeah, that's fine. So the book, ah, the book is, I mean, if, okay, you did no preparation for this episode. What do you know about Fifty Shades of Grey, Tyler? Uh, okay, let's, let's dig deep. I, I worked at a movie theater when the movies were coming out. Uh, I worked at a Radio Shack when the, I think the first movie came out, and we played the trailer for it all the time on our TVs at the Radio Shack. Um, the book cover has a guy with a with a knot. With, he's tying a tie on the front cover. Um, the The girl is a reporter, and she goes to interview a guy, and. Um, and he's super duper rich and he's like hey let's have sex and then she goes yes please 
And then he <laughs> says, but when I have sex, I don't just have sex. I have to be weird about it. And then she says, well, I've never been a part of this world before. Please show me more. And he says, a whole new world. <laughs> a wondrous place for all to slap ass. Uh, Why did you bring Aladdin into this? <laughs> uh, and then, and so then she gets really into it. Uh, and then that's that's all I know of like the setup for that movie. And then I know that there's more books and or movies. And th- the common like thread is that they're trying to get married. Like they're they're working past things. I don't know what a billionaire who can fuck anybody he wants has to get past, but he has to work through some things. Um, and then she has a stalker, I think. Is something that I've seen in some trailers, um, and like, and maybe she gets kidnapped at one point, and he has to become Batman because he's Christian Bale Gray, and he and he's a billionaire, so that he dons his leather outfit <laughs> and whips, and he goes after the guy at the night to attack the guy that stole his girlfriend, and then they have kinky, weird sex stuff things uh and the word fuckery is in one of the books something fuckery i remember that being a big thing wow that was um it had grains of truth throughout it (laughs) it was weirdly specific at times (laughs) and at other times it was incorrect but that is amazing that you got that much from movie trailers yeah well you know it teaches me a lot (laughs) so the one factual edit in the beginning is um Anastasia is not a reporter. She goes to interview him because her roommate and best friend, who is a reporter, is sick that day and can't go do the interview. Uh, and as a reporter, I am just over here like, what the fuck? You can't you can just send that? somebody else to do your interview for you. Like, oh, hey, roommate, like, I know you're not a journalist, but here's my list of questions. Go interview this billionaire. Yeah, if you're if you're sick, you definitely send Talon to go do your job, right? Uh, okay, well, side note, I have taken Talon as my cameraman before, but... Yeah, but that's um, different because his job aligned with what you were doing. So that's not the point I was trying yeah. to make. I wouldn't be like, yeah, Talon, go ask some questions. Yeah, because that well, seems like plus you would be worried that he'd go talk to the billionaire and then he'd, you know, become fall in love, fall in love, and then he'd go have weird BDSM <laughs> sex with another dude. That has uh, that always occurs to me actually. I know, when I, think I know. It's your number. I've told you to stop sending your, your guys to that. To that billionaire, you know. <laughs> you should be a relationship counselor. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so basically what you said was semi-right. Uh, they meet in this totally not realistic way. Uh, and then he is somehow obsessed with her, even though she's just like... It's very stereotypical he- in so many ways because it's like the clumsy, unremarkable-looking girl who has no sexual experience whatsoever... And this, like, total sex maniac playboy who's, yeah. like, super sexy and has all of the money. And it's like, oh, he chooses her out of yeah, all of the ladies. Because if I remember correctly, because he smells her and he, and he loves her odor and he wants to eat her. <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, they had I'm to cut sorry. that part out because they took yeah. the vampires out. <laughs> it's because he 
looks at her and and <laughs> sees her and he likes the way she, and he wants to eat her because I mean uh, f- <laughs> fuck her because of how she looks. Yes. So basically, uh, he's like, I want to do stuff with you, but before I tell you what kind of stuff, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. And she's like, that sounds awesome. So oh. she signs a non- <laughs> That sounds great. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, come look at my room full of BDSM toys. And she's like, hmm, maybe. And then thinks about it. And it's just like, it's so dumb because it has like every single red flag and she ignores every single one of them like not even that like no kink shaming here bdsm is fine if it's between two consenting adults whatever um but like he's not a nice person and he's like a stalker he like shows up where he should not know that she is he like makes a joke at one point about tracking her cell phone when they haven't even like gone out together and i'm like these are not good signs for your romantic relationship that is not good dude no and he's like it's the total trope of like the bad boy who's like oh i'm not good for you blah 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 and she's like oh but i love you like why (laughs) why um but regardless uh this turned out to be wildly popular um Fifty Shades is, of course, not the first erotica novel to incorporate BDSM, but it is the first one to end up on the main display tables at giant bookstores like Barnes and Noble. Um, and it really about, made it uh, like... I, I know we haven't talked about her much, but Anne Rice wrote a bunch of weird stuff too, right? Like she had written like some crazy stuff. I haven't read any Anne Rice stuff. She I, she wrote... Is she romance stuff. or erotica? She wrote the vampire stuff that everybody loves, the interview for Vampire. Um, yeah, but, but Vampire is different than Whips and Chains. But also, she wrote... <laughs> I'm writing Anne Vampire. <laughs> Anne Vampire. Anne Rice. She... Uh, erotic literature. Um, vampire Chronicles. <clears throat> and then... I remember it because I remember like reading the Wikipedia. I used to have a job where like I would literally just read Wikipedias of everything. Um, and the claiming of Sleeping Beauty, Beauty's Gross. punishment, Beauty's release. See, I feel like that's not on the front like shelf of Barnes and Noble. I guess I don't know. Anne Rice was just huge, so I like I didn't know if like she was up there with that with that shit. You know what I mean? That shit. And I don't even remember. I don't know when it came out. I didn't ever read it. I just read a Wikipedia and I was like, people write about this? What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) People do write about this. 1983 Um, is when that came out. And one of the weird things about this was like how much, like, it just surprises me that this is what impacts the culture so much. Like, James said she's had tens of thousands of readers write to her telling her that her books like changed their lives, changed their relationships. Like it didn't matter if it was people who had been married like 40 years or one, like for some reason they felt compelled to tell her like, oh, reading about BDSM like completely changed our marriage. Yeah, I guess. I mean, maybe that's what some people needed uh in order to to spice it up yeah to have that good lord person they left a, the largest fucking okay couple things 
first, 1999, not 1983. That's when it came out, 1999. And it was a New York best time, best, uh, New York Times bestseller, just so you're aware. So, like, I know of erotica that has been out there before, but the point being... <clears throat> the yeah, point being BDSM. Shit. People lost their fucking minds over this story. They did. The same and way that people lost their minds over Twilight. Over Twilight, yeah. Um, and she has tried to launch it into, like, more of a writing career. I don't know how that's going to work out for her. Because um, her first truly original book, The Mister, came out in 2019, so two years ago. And that's, like, full of tropes again. It's about a rich English playboy. Wow, a slutty male character as the lead who falls in love with his undocumented Albanian maid who has been sex trafficked. She's also a 23-year-old virgin. And that's, like, the other, like, trope in here. It's, like, why are the main characters always, like, in their 20s and virgins and, like... Falling in love with the bad boys. How are you get sex- a new plot line? How are you sex trafficked and a virgin? I don't under. I mean, I don't understand I the think sex traffic world. So I guess I don't. Get she it, gets but- sex trafficked, but she somehow like escapes. Ah. Before they get, it's like in the early stages of Taken. Right. She gets out she's, before they get to the, the other- heroin part. She's the other girl <laughs> that that no one cared about. No, that girl died. I no, think. I know. I know. Hey, come on. Stop ruining all my fun. I tried to forget that the other girl died. It was sad. Liam I was like, you are rewriting this plot. <laughs> so, yeah, so E.L. James apparently cannot write anything that's like truly original or riveting in any way. Um, but she's got that Fifty Shades money and she has like a whole line. Or like she goes around like. Uh, copywriting different like sex toys and like things related to Fifty Shades of Grey just so that if anyone's going to make the money off of her brand it's going to be her yeah because she knows how easy it is to steal somebody else's brand and run with it (laughs) cause she did it cause she did it she went this is a great book let me write it a little differently 15% differently and then I'll make 30 million dollars and poor Stephanie Meyer, who tried so hard to keep, like, explicit sex out of her books. And then yeah. <laughs> this woman just comes along and it's like, nope, it's going to be 100% sex. Not only that. Not only does that happen, but then everyone shoves it in Stephanie's face. Everyone's like, oh, <laughs> Stephanie, how do you feel about the fact that somebody rewrote your book and put a bunch of sex in it? Isn't that <laughs> terrible? And she's like, uh, you know, good for her to write a book. Like, way to go. That takes a lot of work. I don't like that there's sex in it, but that's why I didn't put sex in mine. Please keep sex out of the Twilight thing. It's not my jam. I'm a Mormon. Remember? <laughs> direct quote. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, All I'm right. Gonna, I'm going to make that a direct quote with Stephanie Meyer's face. <laughs> oh, gosh. Is that illegal? <laughs> like... I'm pretty sure putting a fake quote on top of someone's face is not illegal in today's day and age. No, yeah, we definitely won't get in trouble for that. So, if, uh, if that's the straw that breaks Stephanie, like, <laughs> like she's put up with all this shit, and then we post a picture that's a joke that is actually defending her, and then she loses her shit and she like goes after us. That would be hilarious. It would be, that, honestly. We would get probably super famous. 
We would. We'd have so many listens. <laughs> We'd have so many patrons. It'd be great. Yes, patrons just paying our legal fees at that point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to the next fan fiction author. Yes, who please. Is uh, one Anna Todd. Anna Renee Todd was born March 20th, 1989 in Dayton, Ohio. Um, She's my and- age. Wow. I'm 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 two month I'm a month and a half younger than this woman. Wow. Makes me you guys sick. have a lot in common already. Makes me sick. <laughs> One of the most um, annoying things about her is that on her website she describes herself as growing up about an hour north of Cincinnati, Ohio. And I'm just like, why? Do people not know where Dayton, Ohio is? Like why are you hiding where you came from? Why are you saying Dayton? Is just like an unnamed town. You're an so hour north you're so heated up over this, Hannah. I've never I've never seen you so worked up about. Well, because I was trying to <laughs> compile some information for this episode, and I'm like, why are you hiding where are you from, girl? <laughs> so then I had to do extra work to find out she was from Dayton, and I'm like, this isn't middle of nowhere. I mean, it is Ohio, but still. Yeah. So yeah. That bitch. How dare she make you? do a google search <laughs> i just think it's real sus um just to, just, website- to, just to clarify too when i was saying i was i'm i'm sick uh, it's not the fact that we're we share a close birthday it's more just the fact that she's famous i'm doing an episode <laughs> of my show on a woman who is my age i and- do i completely understood that i know how um you feel about people who are the same age as you and well all i ask is if you're gonna be younger than me don't be quite (laughs) don't be more successful than me in any way all right look i just don't like that (laughs) (laughs) justin bieber and i are not on good terms right now no you don't even want to know about Billie eilish then So, uh, Anna Todd's website bio glosses over some of the more disturbing aspects of her childhood, but according to a feature in the Atlantic, her dad was a drug addict and was stabbed to death shortly before her first birthday. Jesus. That was so out of nowhere. So, starting out with tragedy. Um, she grew up in a trailer park raised by her mother, who also struggled with substance abuse issues. So, she had a tumultuous uh, childhood. She describes herself as finding a love of reading from a young age, sort of that like escapism thing, like shit is real bad at home. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to read The Babysitter's Club and yeah. Goosebumps, which yeah. were some of her early because favorites. <laughs> she, everybody else around her is like, oh, have you read that terrifying new Goosebumps? She's like, my dad was stabbed when I was one. <laughs> Nothing R.L. Stein can write will scare me, son. She still liked it, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just really wanted to do that very intimidating out of nowhere I, voice. Your impressions of female authors are just like on point. Like I it's know. like I'm talking to Anna Todd. <laughs> so by the time she was a teenager, she was in love with classic literature. Uh, Pride and Prejudice and Little Women are ones that should be obvious to readers because uh, she's got a lot of Pride and Prejudice uh, references in the After series, and she wrote a modern retelling of little women which is like offensively bad so (laughs) i don't i just don't get all of these authors who are fans of the classics but then like write so shittily shittily 
<laughs> I am the not irony, a fan of the classics. The irony of what you just said is fantastic. No, I'm not a fan of the classics, so I can say stuff like shittily because I don't <laughs> care about Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> I'm not a hypocrite. Give a shit about Jane Austen, so I'm gonna use words like shittily. Stephen I am King. lowbrow and proud. Um, Anna Todd married her high school boyfriend Jordan when she turned 18. He was in the army, so they moved to Fort Hood, where he was stationed. Hey, they dated for like two years, so still they passed the test. Still okay. Look, Tyler, the tie tie the Bible guy dating. Uh, uh, strategy does not apply when you are very young. Like if you date someone for two years and you're 15, I don't support you getting married. <laughs> there, we there need to have a limits. whole episode where sh- we need a whole episode of just you like laying out your rules for relationships because I can't keep up with all of them. Yeah, it's mo- it's a very uh, nebulous situation. It changes depending on my mood and how gross <laughs> people are, and how much Devani's been giving me shit about stuff about things that she disagrees with. Well, we'll have her on an episode, and she and I will just argue about about that. So about your relationship rules. Yeah, it, it's great. Perfect. So uh, yeah, this teenage bride uh, moves to Fort Hood with her now husband, where he was stationed in the army. Uh, She took some college courses, but she got bored, didn't like that shit. Uh, So then she enrolled at a Los Angeles Fashion Institute, but changed her mind after visiting the campus. I don't know why. She was just like too many brick buildings, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I couldn't. I have zero Uh, idea why she gave up. So then she waitressed at Waffle House and worked the makeup counter at Ulta. Could you have two of the more most cliche like we're gonna make it on our own sort of jobs like oh and what do you what do you what do you do oh I'm a waitress down at Waffle House and I part time as a makeup person at Ultra Alta. <laughs> I like how you called it Ultra. It's um, way better than Alta. I feel like. These jobs, like, I would not think that a girl who worked at Waffle House would work at Ulta and, like, vice versa. <laughs> they seem like a weird combination, but like whatever. They, like, she's she it transcends clicks, though, is the thing. She, she does. Doesn't, she doesn't let where she works define who she is. She's going to rise up and do whatever the fuck gets money. <laughs> <laughs> the American dream. Yeah. Um. Anna had always been a fangirl. Um, she says that, like, from a very young age, whenever she found something she really liked, she, like, really liked it and got obsessed with it. Uh, and then, like, would move on to the next pop culture phenomenon and get really into that. Um, she was in the Josh Hartnett fan club when she was 13. Who wasn't in the Josh Hartnett fan club? Not I mean, me, because I had to, like, look up who he was. I'm like, really? who's Josh Hartnett? He's, he was the man. He was the one that we all wanted to live at the end of Pearl Harbor. The reason why they well, killed him is because it was a more emotional end than uh, than uh, Baflack over over there still raising Hartnett's, Hartnett's, Hartnett's kid. <laughs> this is like a late 80s kid thing i'm a 90s kid so uh, oh right i forget that you're a baby child and you didn't know who real people were <laughs> yeah that's right you're obsessed <laughs> with those tiktok children 
<laughs> no, that's Gen Z. So watch it. That's Whoa, my boyfriend. Oh my god, you're so angry. <laughs> um, but I mean, me being a '90s kid means that I got obsessed with Twilight at a way more appropriate age than Anna Todd did. She was 20 when she got super into Twilight, which I think right. is just a little bit embarrassing. Um, then it was Fifty Shades of Grey. So you know, classic lateral move and then at 23 it was the british boy band one direction of course tyler do you know where i'm going with this <gasps> he doesn't know anything of, oh don't my god no okay. i have zero idea i'm trying to be like oh can i sherlock holmes this no i have no idea one direction is the fan fiction that made her a millionaire <laughs> what she wrote fan so, for a band oh and sort of. So her son Asher was born around 2012 or 2013 and had a lot of medical issues. Uh, so Anna spent a lot of time at home reading. And around spring of 2013, she started to obsess over what apparently were called punk edits of One Direction in the fan world. So basically people would Photoshop pictures of the band covered in tattoos and piercings. What? This is so confusing to me. Um, she also started reading Imagines, which were like tiny fanfics told entirely in Instagram posts. And she would read the like Imagines about One Direction. I hate the term Imagines. I hate Do you know? Have you run into these? I know what they are. Yes, I've been on Wattpad for years. Of course I know what a fucking Imagines is. The problem is it's grammatically incorrect and I hate saying it. I hate it is so it, much. Is it supposed to be like a noun? Yeah, it's an imagines. So like an imagined story. Yeah. I wrote an imagines. An imagines? An imagines. Oh, God. That's why I hate it. It's so bad, Hannah. It's so bad. Okay, so it's going to get worse before it gets <laughs> even worse. Um, so... Soon, she found Wattpad, that thing that you're talking about, uh, which for people who aren't nerds like us, is an online publishing and reading service where many imagines creators wrote longer episodic stories. Uh, while there, she read fanfics where Zane, one of the guys in One Direction, was a I, vampire king. No, no. One where Niall was a cat that turned into a boy who Harry fell in love with, Harry nope. Styles. Gross. Uh, and one day, people weren't updating their stories fast enough for her, and she was getting bored, so she thought, maybe I'll write my own story. Yeah, of course. Why not write about the vampire king and the the boy who loved a cat? Let's no vampires here, but uh, she did take a stab at her own story, typing it on her phone uh, and posting it, which is just like, ugh. It makes yeah. my thumbs hurt. Um, so... Basically, her story is about an innocent college freshman named Tessa who goes off to school and falls for bad boy Harden Scott, who was originally Harry Styles. Harden. Oh, what's up, dude? If I'm oh, not he's, here. He's British. What's up, dude? I'm, if, I'm, <laughs> if you're not here, I'm not Harden. Ah, Ew, gross. <laughs> so, okay, yeah. The, the plot of this terrible book uh, is, I mean, you could say it in that one sentence that I did, but basically Tessa is like this goody-goody virgin who has a boyfriend who's still back home 
and is like a senior in high school or whatever. Uh, and she goes to, in the original version, Washington State University, which what? is where I went to school, which is also uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. The main character went to Washington State University, Vancouver. So the Vancouver campus. Oh my so God. that they could live in Portland. Of course. Which, I don't know if this is time for my setting rant or if I should save that for the <laughs> very it. end. Do it. But I'm not going to rant on this episode. Hannah, take over the rant. I give you the reins. Do it, please. So these books are bad for like a multitude of reasons. Um, but one of the things that pisses me off most is because they're in the Northwest and they use like actual locations like Portland and Washington State University um, and Seattle and stuff. But it's so obvious that neither author has ever been to any of these places. So in Fifty Shades of Grey, it's stupid because like um, she writes it like a British person because she's British. So they're always saying stupid stuff that doesn't sound like how Americans would talk. And they're referring to things like, oh, I read it in the society pages. And I'm like, the society pages of Portland, Oregon? Like, what the fuck are those? <laughs> um, so that's the Fifty Shades thing. In the in after, I'm just like, this is really obviously not in eastern Washington. And there's so many, like, plot things that don't work out there. And the characters are weird. It's like, I don't know where Anna Scott went to college but basically everybody in Tessa's circle that she meets, like her roommate who introduces her to Harden, the love interest and all of their friends, they're like all super tatted up, like supposed to be like emo or scene kids or whatever. And I'm like, okay, what 18 year old is already covered in sleeve tattoos by the time they get to college? That's It's not legal in Washington to tattoo a minor. So I'm just like, how is this working out? I did and, it myself. Cause I'm, yeah, I'm like, Harden. Oh. I'm reading it and I'm like, is there like some underground tattoo industry in Washington that I should be reporting on? Like, what is going on here? Um, and yeah, the dialogue is terrible. And basically, my whole thing is just like, if you're going to set something somewhere, like know the place a little bit or just make up a place. Stop using real places when it's going to be so transparently bad. Yeah. That's my setting rant. Uh, story rant, though. This is a terrible book. Uh, it was actually very engaging, and I it was a real page turner for the first half. But it's like 550 pages long. So, what? yeah, and like the it takes until chapter 80 something for them to actually do it. Well, okay, <laughs> that's not how I judge a book, but okay. <laughs> uh, it's like halfway through. So, well, that's the whole point of this book is it's just like a back and forth, oh, like yeah, to. Harden Fuck. is being mean to Tessa and she's like, wow, that really hurt my feelings. And then she's like, but he's hot. So I love him. And it's just like this whole <laughs> game of cat and mouse. And meanwhile, you're like, dude, you have a boyfriend at home. Like, why are you being so mean to him? Just break up with him. Cause you clearly don't like him. And then like, I don't know. Finally, I was bored almost of waiting for them to actually get together. I'm like, Stop toying. Like, every chapter is the same thing. It's like, oh, he's an asshole. But then, like, at the end of the chapter, he does something nice. And she's like, oh, he likes me. It's terrible. It's the worst book ever. It Toxic. actually might be the worst book ever. I liked Fifty Shades of Grey more than after. Um, and Fifty right. Shades I, was pretty bad. Doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which <laughs> one is better or which one you like more. They're both terrible. And they're both totally tropey. Because, again, you have the, like 
college freshman virgin, like her boyfriend relationship is barely even anything. Like they don't even really kiss. And then she meets the bad boy and she's like, oh, I'm going to throw all of my like worries about school, which I'm so dedicated to when I arrive on campus, all of that's going to go out the window. I'm going to start acting like a total idiot. And it's like, come on, this has been done so many times. Why? Why, why, why? And also, he's just like... I'm going to, I'm legit, I'm going to write, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to post it on Amazon and it's going to be the same setup the exact same setup and it's it's gonna be completely different i'm telling you right now i'm gonna do this by the end of the year i'm gonna write a story it's gonna be great it's gonna be 3.99 on amazon ebooks whatever it is kindle you can buy it and uh <clears throat> if i don't sell fifty thousand copies in the first year i'm gonna be pissed i'm gonna write this book i mean and it's gonna be great it seems like a formula and I don't get it because like a lot of people criticize these books for having like toxic relationships like clearly it's very bad that these dudes are assholes and like it just makes the girl want them more almost it's mm-hmm. like no the correct response is to be like you're a dick I'm not gonna talk to you anymore so say what you will about the toxic relationship aspects I think it's just boring yeah. it's boring because it's just like it is the same conflict again and again and it goes on for three or four books or however many books they get a deal for. It's like, oh, they break up at the end. Oh, they start to get back together in the next book. Oh, something goes wrong and they break up again. So, yeah, that's my my main criticism is that it's fucking boring. Um, <laughs> but apparently I'm the only one who thinks that because in one year, her posts on Wattpad racked up nearly half a billion with a B views. And she landed a six-figure, four-book deal with Simon & Schuster's Gallery Books in 2014. The editor cleaned up grammar and typos, cut a few chapters, and requested more sex scenes because waiting until chapter 82 uh, required a lot of sex after that. And the other three books came out over the next few months. So four books came out over the course of about a year. And this was like two years after she started writing them. Yeah. Two years, four books. Paramount bought the rights to the movie by fall 2014. The first one came out in 2019, the second in 2020, uh, which Todd actually wrote the screenplay for, and the third is supposed to come out next month. Now, Tyler, I watched After on Netflix, and by watched, I mean I skimmed through 60% of it. It was so, like, the movie was so much worse than the book. It was so boring. I could not keep from, like, looking at my phone. And it stars um, Baby Voldemort from the sixth Harry Potter movie. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Do you remember that actor? He's, like, actually related to the actual actor who plays Voldemort. uh, But I can't pronounce, like, Ralph Fiennes. However you say his last name. Um so the the love interest (laughs) is baby voldemort and he has one scowly expression for the entire movie and speaks in a monotone he's basically the male equivalent of Kristen stewart and i hated him (laughs) it was terrible um and i actually regret watching as much of the movie as i did it was even worse than the book so if you have to choose read the book um but don't do either i i just looked him up um 
hero fiend something. I, uh, yeah, hero hero Fen- Fenius. I, I should. Ralph Fiennes is like a super famous actor, but I don't know how to say his last name correctly. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, that was your idea. All I know is okay. It's that guy for it's that kid that I didn't really care about in the Harry Potter movie because he wasn't important. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait until you see him make out. <laughs> um, no. So yeah. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so. To wrap up Anna Todd's life story thus far, she's like, what, 32 now? 32. Uh, yeah, she'd be 32. Uh, she's got more money than she could ever need. In fact, uh, I think that that was a quote that I saw in one of the articles uh, in a Billboard interview. She said, I never thought I could be an author. I've already made more money than I ever dreamed of making in my entire life. People spend 10 years trying to get a book published. They have degrees. They're a hell of a lot smarter than me, and they may have way better grammar than me, but I use the internet, and that's what set me apart. She's not wrong, but I hate her for it a little bit. I, you know, yeah. Sure. She uh she did a thing and she made lots of money. How we can't really be mad at her for being successful, right? Like <clears throat> No, I think I'm just jealous. I'm like yeah. I feel like you're a way worse writer than me, but you're the one with millions of dollars and I'm sitting here talking about your book. And yeah, and that's what it comes down to. That's and I'm I I'm going through a lot of emotions right now. It's a, it's a it's some gumbo work that I'm working through. It's some, <laughs> the gumbo. Um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm not I'm not mad personally at either of these two authors for writing the stories that they want to write, uh, even if it is basically plagiarism. They're still writing what they want to write, and as a writer, that is the only thing that you can do. Is just write your story. So it's it's hard to be mad at them because they're doing something right, which is writing a story. Um, it's the world that's fucking stupid. That it's the publishing industry that pisses me off. It's it's the people that buy into this shit that are so <clears throat> man, they're so desperate for something that they're willing to give credence to the lowest the lowest common denominator i I don't know how else to put it like it's just they just want to watch porn just go fucking watch porn seriously oh my god it pisses me off look i i had this conversation with someone uh a while back where uh twitch started having girls who were sitting in hot tubs and they were like doing content, but they were wearing like bikinis, like basically nothing. Right. And they're in hot tubs. And that was, that was the whole thing. And people were freaking out because they're like, they're stealing viewers from us who are actually creating content. We're actually like playing games and interacting with our, with our, uh, our streams and stuff. And they're stealing, um, viewers from us and at the end of the day i was like look it it, it, three things are gonna happen (laughs) they're not gonna care 
And those are the people you really want on your stream to be watching you because they don't give a fuck about these rando chicks. Or they're going to leave for like 10 minutes, bro. Oh. <laughs> and then they'll be back. Just chill. Oh. Just chill out. They'll be back. Because guess what? It's not that big a deal. Or they'll leave. And they'll go watch a three-hour stream of a girl in a bikini in a tub. And those people, those people you don't want a part of your community in the first place. So just give a good, just give a nice round of applause to the girls that are taking away the weird ones. And at the end of the day, those people, all they really want is to see a naked girl. And you can do that so easily on the internet. It's not hard. So just go do it, okay? Get it over with and move on with your life. You don't need to go and buy a 583-page book that spends half of the time titillating you with sex and instead watch a 12-minute scene where they just hammer at each other. And then, and then it's over and you're good. Okay, go. I'm gonna disagree with you in a second, but first, can can I want to like make a slogan out of "Let's hear it for the girls who are like taking the weird ones" or whatever you said about the Twitch streamers. <laughs> like yeah. that was amazing. Um, but I mean, th- my disagreement is mainly like clearly the f- audience for this kind of stuff is not men; it's women, right. which I think is like a larger thing about because i feel like people who watch porn are primarily men sure and people who read like erotica are primarily women so that probably speaks to like different tastes and like psychology of of what you like um and i personally have no problem with people reading erotica i just wish it were better quality sure and and i think that that i mean the 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 lines in my metaphor got blurred uh, quite a bit uh, one to your point, I I do believe that it's <clears throat> watching porn has been uh become has has a stigma to it, obviously because it's pretty bad. And it, when you're in a relationship with somebody, it can really be detrimental to them. And that's a whole another tie tie the Bible guy conversation. We don't have to get into it right now. But if you're a woman and what you're looking for is some healthy activity just you don't need to read the book to get that and and like and we don't need to sell 30 million dollars worth of these shitty books for you to get that you can find that elsewhere that is the point i was trying to make it exists outside of the lowest common denominator of of writing you can you can do better is what i'm saying you can do better and porn is better (laughs) than these books no oh my god no yes absolutely it is 100 percent it is because this is this type of writing glorifies laziness. This type of writing creates the idea that, oh, you don't have to try. All you have to do is get your shit on the Internet and you will make it. And that quote right there just put the nail in the coffin for me. There are people who are smarter than me. There are people that have degrees and they spend 10 years trying to perfect their story. I have the internet and I know how to use it and I'm going to I'm going to fucking make a lot of money. And then little girls everywhere start right tip tapping at their little 30 seconds 30 seconds of summer whatever it is and they're they're 
jump the Backstreet Boys fan fiction oh, and they think they're going to make it and they don't try harder and they they get away with not having to be better as writers because they don't need to be better because the publishing industry has cultivated a a system in which they can make money off of shit and so writing I, becomes less and less good I think I disagree because both of these examples were self-published. The publishing industry wanted nothing to do with this until they were like, oh crap, these people are making a ton of money on their own. We need to do this. So the publishing industry, I feel like, was very snobby to begin with. And now they're like, oh wait, sex sells? Who could have predicted that? But that's the point. The, the whole beginning process is these girls are going online to read these shitty stories when they don't have to. There are better stories for you to read. Like, not ones about sex there can be there can be better <laughs> stories about sex write better sex stories Tyler Clawson write better no. sex stories but nobody was publishing those so I feel like the Wattpad thing is like it, the pro is that anybody can write something and you don't need the publishing companies as the gatekeeper but the con is that when anybody can write something you get like 99% shit and then you have to yeah. sort through it for the 1% like well-written stuff. And look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not against Wattpad. I have two books on Wattpad, right? So like, I know what it's like to be able to say, it feels good to put something out, right? And it feels, it's fun to be able to write something and just, you don't have to worry about editing. You don't have to proofread it. You don't gotta pay for blah blah blah. You can just go you can find literally it. type it on your phone. You can literally type it on your phone. Download the picture from Google, and and then like get an app that has like fonts that you can throw on, and and you can create your own cover that says the blood of the one I love over a picture of a rose, <laughs> like superimposed in front of the face of like. Josh Hartnett, right? Like you can do that if you want. And then and then you can just write your damn story and you just put it out there. And that's great. Expression is so good. But it's a matter of it's a there's a difference between expression and trying to make a career out of something and and becoming an artist. There's a huge difference between expression and artistry. And and I I don't know. It's there's it's hard. It's hard for me to be like, yeah, Wattpad's great, but also it fucking sucks um, because there's so much. And and the good ones get left mm -hmm. behind because it's hard to find them. So that's been my ad to go check out the second Rebecca Moon story on Wattpad, <laughs> which is exclusive on Wattpad. <laughs> also, I have a strong sense that uh, we're going to have a picture on our Instagram at some point of blood whatever with a rose over josh hartnett's face oh yeah 100 <laughs> i'm gonna be superimposing a rose with with josh hartnett the blood of the one i love yeah blood of the one i love yes that's coming soon to wattpad that'll be the name of the book that i will write on amazon that i expect everyone to go out and buy watch it actually be super good great as long, if I can make $30 million writing shit, you know what? At this point, I know I just stood on my high horse and I did my whole parade. But if I can fucking make $30 million writing The Blood of the One I Love and then the and then the sequel, The Blood of the One After. <laughs> I'll do it. Capitalism wins. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Outro time. I don't have a teaser for next episode because, as usual, we need to decide what the hell we're talking about. But, uh, listeners, be warned, it will not be erotica. I know you really enjoyed this. Uh, yeah. But we're go- going back to keeping it PG. Yeah, we've got, we've got uh, what, uh, five, six weeks before we need to start thinking about some Halloween stuff that's coming. So, um, you know, I posted about it today that we have the flash fiction for Halloween coming up. Um, submissions need to be in by October 4th. And uh, flash fiction stories are 500 to 700 words. Anything you want to write about as far as horror, um, scary, silly, spooky, creepy, anything. Um, it feels like every time we do this, the bar just raises a little bit more. But I don't want you guys to think that that means that you as a new writer cannot submit. You should submit. Uh, that sounds gross. Um, <laughs> Going back to Fifty Shades of Grey, huh? <laughs> I just, I just love it so much. I'm getting ready to write my own, so you know, sorry, the verbiage is there. Um, you know, uh, if you wanna, if you wanna write scary, silly story, all, all that, um, just write it and send it in, um, and you will get critiques back, and you'll learn a little bit of, of how to write better. Because here at Lewis and Lovecraft. We don't want to help produce the next Fifty Shades of Grey. We want to help produce the next Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> a better book. We came full circle there. Yeah. Uh, but also, I think you're uh, being a little bit, you're like scaring them. We consistently love every single thing that people send yeah. us. So yeah, <laughs> we're not going to be mean to you. You're going to get a lot of encouragement from us because we genuinely love everything that comes through. Um, and you'll you'll get your story read on our show, so that's exciting. Um, and bonus points, to, <laughs> bonus God, points to why? Uh, to uh, between Lewis and Lovecraft fan fiction. Um. <laughs> I just want a fan fiction like a horror story where you do, kill us both at the end. Hannah, do we need to do a between Lewis and Lovecraft fan fiction flash fiction? Fan fiction flat. Oh my gosh, no, that's too much. We don't need to do two Halloween specials. <laughs> okay, just if if you have an idea, you don't have to do a full fan fiction. Please don't make it erotic fan fiction. But if you want to throw us in as characters in your story, you are more than welcome to use us, <laughs> and we'll consider that our flash fiction or fan fiction flash fiction. Um, and and yeah, if like, you want to send us those stories or any feedback on the show, Tyler, where can they send that? Uh, you'll need to email us at lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. That's lewisandlovecraft at gmail.com. Um, write it up. Email it over. We'll we'll get emails. If you have reviews of books that you've read, we want to we want to start reading those on our show just so that people can get other ideas. If you have opinions about the authors we talk about, please send those in. We want to hear about those. You can also talk to us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Lewis and Lovecraft. You can talk to us on Instagram at Lewis and Lovecraft on Instagram, and you can leave us opinions about the authors that we talk about on those sites as well. And you can go to our website, lewisandlovecraft.com, to kind of see how to get to everywhere else if you don't know how to get there. And actually, if someone listening to this like disagrees with my takes on Fifty Shades of Grey and or after and wants to talk to me about why they're actually great books, 
uh, hit me up, send me a message, and uh, let's do some correspondence because yeah. I want to talk to somebody who actually likes these books. Yeah, we got some correspondence openings. So uh, if, yeah. if you are an author or someone who wants to be a guest on our show, hit us up. We're always happy to try and set that up as well. Awesome. And as always, we want to say thank you to Jake Basson for our awesome intro music. You can find him and all his other cool music at soundcloud.com slash Jake Basson. Nice. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you're at right now. However you're listening to our show, just hit that little subscribe button, uh, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify or somewhere else. Podchaser is also a good place. And uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Podchaser. Those are two places I don't think you can necessarily anywhere else. But uh, if your app allows it, please give us as many stars as it will let you. And uh, say some nice things about us. We would appreciate it. And, um, you know, Podchaser, it's, it's, you know, it's like a dusty old western town right now. We, we need some more some more stuff going on there so leave a review we'll talk about it on our show because it makes us really happy when people do that and even if they're mean reviews yeah we will and hannah what is the best thing that someone can do for us oh god other than writing fan fiction i I was gonna say other than doing our job and going and talking to a billionaire for us when we have oh gosh yeah that would be a way to help me out but um no i think the best way you can help both of us is to tell your friends about our show yeah yes it is we we don't really do a lot of advertising anywhere like we can't afford a billboard or anything and so if you like our show tell a friend and you'd be surprised how incredibly important that is to a show like ours so we don't have anything to make fun of (laughs) going into the next episode so you know what i'm gonna do Look up more fan fiction. I'm just going to go ahead and start reading some fan fiction while we go. Oh, like, God. We, we want to find some movies. No. Uh, let's see. What's a... Ooh, Sherlock Holmes. Classic Sherlock You're Holmes. You're definitely going to get, like, sexy times yeah. in this. Mrs. Hudson was at her wit's end with one Sherlock Holmes. She met John Watson most urgently in his medical office one afternoon. Having said she was going out to the market... She was terribly wound up, declaring she simply must have a holiday. A very long holiday. She insisted that the doctor find someone to stay for an extended time to care for the detective, as she did not plan to return until after the new year had started. There this is more no, well-written than I was expecting. Yeah, I know. It's actually pretty good. There were no <laughs> other tenants in the building, and with the way that the detectives had started acting, it didn't look like there would be any applications in the foreseeable future. No going. Oh, Mrs. Middleton set her cup on the tray and sat back as Holmes reasoned. When she spoke, sadness ran with words. You're very perceptive. It's as if you read a book that someone had written about me quite exciting to behold however i'm afraid i must correct you on one point it was not the gentry's children i took care of mr holmes it was the gentry's bedlam (gasps) 